Hello there, my name is David Thompson from the Fraser Valley in British Columbia with a message for all those that are hungry and thirsty for reality, for ultimate meaning and destiny in your lives. The question is, are you buying in to what is real or into delusions to justify what is contrary to ultimate meaning, purpose, and destiny in your life. So first of all, this message is a message for all those, whatever their background is throughout the whole world. A message of the best news and the very meaning for which you were created and for which all things exist and consist. So I want you to all that are new, go to my website at ultimatemeaning.com where there is a flip book with very original writing by the gifting of the Spirit of God through me to you that answers many very hard questions and reveals many mysteries and the answers to those mysteries. The print that is highlighted in red are actually links to YouTube videos that are very profound and amazing, but highly confirmed from many fields of science and archaeology. The reality of what I am about to share here with you. There is good news. I'm sure many of you in these days know about the many videos that you can watch on YouTube and other places of people that are sharing how they were revived back to life after being uh, resuscitated through medical equipment after their hearts stopped and they were declared dead. This has repeated itself over many, many times, especially since all of these new means of resuscitating people have come forth since the 1960s upward, and particularly from the 90s and on. There are so many instances of people highly confirmed as dead by doctors and medical equipment that have clearly declared and verified the reality of other dimensions that are far superior to this dimension of which they entered. I've written a book on it called Afterlife Incredible Irrefutable. Actually, I do have that book here and I can show you one of these copies of the book right here, Afterlife, Incredible, Irrefutable, which you can get on Amazon. It's a large six by nine paperback, 368 pages. You can also get it on your digital application, whether that's your iPhone or Android or whatever else you're happening, happening to want to read that book on. It's very well done and thoroughly researched with many links that go to exact places in YouTube videos. And these people, they share how they saw the doctors doing specific things using specific tools, the music they were playing, the conversation they had. In fact, they observe, absorb information far beyond the normal capacity of their memory in their physical body and share details that amaze doctors. And this has repeated itself over and over and over again so that it is the very strongest empirical evidence of life after death, of God, of heaven and hell because all of these people that experience these things also often experience encounters with God and either experience going to hell or heaven. But I have good news to share with you. And it's all about how you can know for sure and have the assurance that your destiny is in fellowship with God and the family of God that will go on forever and ever in a realm far more greater, far more superior to this physical realm. One person that died and entered that realm described it being so real that he compared 2D 
paper, you know, where you're just drawing something in a single dimension on a flat piece of paper. Compared to 3D, the realm we are in, that's how much more real this other dimension of existence is where there is heaven and hell and God and creation and myriads of angels and varieties of many types of angels and creations beyond that, which I won't go into here. So I want to share with you about this good news. There is a reason for which everything has been created, and I want you to have an understanding of that. The reason for which all things exist and consist is an ultimate perfection and manifestation of love that is the very source of love from which issues all creation that is good. The issue about love is this, is that when God, who is that ultimate perfection and manifestation of love, yes, God is love. When he creates beings that have the capacity to love, that means he must give them their own free will. That means they are self-originating. They are the source of their own choices, of their own action. That also means that they are self-responsible so that we cannot blame God for creating the devil or the suffering that we see around us because it originates not from God but from beings that make choices in rebellion against this ultimate perfection of love. God didn't choose to create us as robots, as mere machines that have an input of information in and out. He created us with the capacity to love, therefore he created us as free will moral agents, self-originating, self-responsible. Only then can there be the ultimate experience of pleasure the ultimate dimension and experience of life is love. It's not a machine universe. It's beings that have the ability to choose of themselves. Even animals have free choice. Even animals have a soul. God created us to be brought ultimately into total loving union with him. That is his purpose, to have a corporate bride that he can be married to from every background of human beings upon this earth. Even the creation he will be married to. And I don't have time to get into describing all of these things. God is love. But what is this love? I mean, there's three kinds of love that are described in the Greek language in which the New Testament of the Bible is written. The first is eros, which is sec sexual. The second is philia, which is the experience of love with feeling. And the highest is independent of those. You may have feeling with it, filio, but the highest is known as agape. What is that love? It is a love that always chooses the highest lasting good over any lesser choice. Any lesser choice as such would have obviously a measure of corruption in it. This love is so pure in its integrity that as it were, it is a blazing fire of judgment against all that is contrary to this love that always chooses the highest lasting good. It will not condone the slightest that is contrary to this love. It is the opposite of corruption. It is the very destroyer of corruption. And if the love of God was not integrous and ultimately pure, so pure that it is infinitely pure, 
peerless in its purity, there would be the principle of corruption. God himself would, over time, self-destruct. It is because he is love that there can be a destiny of goodness without corruption that goes on forever and ever. And that requires that he is obviously integrous to judge. Yes, God is a God of judgment. Yes, God is holy. And what I'm describing is the holiness of God's love, the integrity or the purity of God's love. This love has two aspects to it. I've described the first aspect. It is represented in the negative symbol in all of nature, such as electronics and mathematics. You have the negative and the positive symbol. Everything is created with negatives and positives. That is how all creation is held together and even formed in the womb. And the negative symbol represents an indestructible foundation, which is what this love is. It is the very source of reality. There's the first and second law of thermodynamics. The first and second law of thermodynamics, what is the first law? It basically reveals that there had to be something without a beginning that always was. Because the first law says that you can change matter, you can destroy it, but it'll always be there in some form or another. So if someone says, oh, some they have you know, all these wacky theories, you know, that there is some vague force that was negative and positive and somehow a little speck formed and there was this big bang and all of this stuff. All speculation, of course. But here's the thing. The second law of thermodynamic says that everything left on its own will go in a direction of complete disorder over time. In other words, there will be corruption. There will be self-destruction. So here we are. There's a universe. Something big existed without a beginning. And here in the infinite past, we should have already been totally brought to total chaos according to the second law of thermodynamics. But here we are in a universe that is so highly complex that in your little cell, if you look at YouTube videos of what's in the cells, there is machinery that is so complex that the top AI technology of today that they boast is so great and so amazing cannot even come close to scratching the surface of creating such things that are in cells. Oh, I could show it to you even on this video, but I don't have time to fuss around with looking where that is. I wasn't planning to do that. But in the cells, see, I'm not, this is all from my heart. I don't prepare anything when I speak. And so in the cells, there are, for example, little machine-like robots that have two arms like a human being and two legs like a human being and kind of shoulders and a body too. And they walk in these tracks and they carry these large packages on these tracks. And they're given a specific address to take it to and all kinds of other details that are way more complex than a modern delivery system of of complicated machinery parts being delivered from one manufacturing place to another manufacturing place in order to build a spaceship. These little creatures are in there. I don't know if it's right to call them creatures. I'd say they're kind of like little machines. And they're walking around doing all this, carrying this stuff. Sometimes if the package is too big, they get others to come and help them carry it. All kinds of things happen in there. That's just one little bit, that's just one little kind of robot I'm describing. There's many other kinds in there that do amazing things, way beyond anything that you can comprehend. And this is happening in one little cell that's so small that you can't, you, the human eye can't even come close to seeing. 
And this is just a little speck of what's happening in this cell, which is like an enormous city with all kinds of these things going on in there, in one of your cells. There is so much information of the DNA, information that makes up your body the uniquely, uniquely who you are, that it would take a stack of books going back and forth to the moon 50 times, according to what I saw on Genesis Science Network. GenesisScience.org, I believe, is the address. It's on my website at ultimatemeaning.com which I mentioned where I have a flip book and also videos that you can watch. So here we are in a highly complex universe, which indicates that there is an ultimate source of reality. And that's just describing the first aspect of this love represented in the negative symbol. That would indicate only this kind of love that is so pure could be there. But this love has two sides to it, just like negative and positive symbols. And the positive symbol is formed out of the negative symbol by crossing out the negative symbol. And yes, God is so great that he can communicate with what he's created. He created all things for his pleasure and our ultimate pleasure is only found in being restored in a loving fellowship of union with God. And yes, his love is so great that the very perfection of his being of love can come in human form into this creation and communicate as a human being as he did in Genesis 8 with Abraham. But not Genesis 8, Genesis 18. Read the account, the historical account you're self, where three men stand before Abraham, most likely very magnificent. Abraham probably perceived they were more than just normal men. They're standing before his tent door in the heat of the day, and he bows before them. And I guess they're 10 feet ahead of him or something from his tent door. And he basically says, I want to make you a meal. I'm going to get my servant to make you a wonderful meal. Will you have a meal? And they say, yeah, we'll sit down and eat with you. And they do. In essence, that's what happened there. Read it. And while he's talking to them, he addresses the main leader of those three as Yahweh, which is the most sacred name for God in the Hebrew original manuscript language as described in the Old Testament. And that name, Yahweh, or Jehovah, some pronounce it, which is not as accurate, means the ultimate reality separate above and beyond creation. And yes, that was God communicating with his creation right there. And it happened in other places in the Old Testament. I don't have to go into all of those examples. But I can tell you this. Yes, God's love is so great that he condescended into this world and humbled himself more than you, a mere creature, and suffered more than you, a mere creature, on the cross. In Jesus Christ, the one and only brought forth Son of God into the creation realm. His body was broken unto fully tasting death and absorbing it. His blood was outpoured unto fully tasting death and absorbing it on the cross for you. So that you could choose to be cleansed of your sin and forgiven of your sin if you call from the depths of your being unto the one true eternal God and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me. Become the center. I choose you as the central treasure of my life I choose to make you the one that I will be a slave of love to because therein you will find ultimate meaning and purpose and fulfillment that will go on beyond this world forever in the family of God in heaven. There is no love that can be imagined that is greater than this love or that could exist that is greater than this love. 
only this love could be entrusted with unlimited life and power and authority without being corrupted by it or using it in a corrupt way. Only this love could be who God is, the very source of unlimited power, life and authority who created us in this amazing creation. And do you know that 99 almost 99%, I think it's, I forget if it's eight nines, 99.9999, it goes up there, I don't know how many times. Percent of everything that you are and that exists is empty space. And the part that is you involves an atomic structure that has many dimensions beyond the physical dimension as, as has been discovered by the Large Hadron Collider and particle physics which has analyzed all of these collisions, and that's another big topic I can't get into for time. And so many secular scientists have come to the conclusion that the whole universe is somehow the source of an amazing central intelligence, and this is just the thought source projected of that intelligence. All these little particles of energy that make up very many dimensions beyond the physical dimension as well are just existing in that little teeny bit of percentage. But 99.99 is at five nines percent is empty space. Huh. How amazing is that? Here's another amazing fact. The positive symbol, which is the symbol of the cross, is also the last symbol of the most ancient languages in their alphabet, including the Hebrew, going back to 1500 BC, 2000 BC, and earlier. The Phoenicians, the Hebrews, all those that lived in that area, last letter, and it meant a sign or symbol. And so I'm sharing with you the most positive message in the world, represented in the symbol of the cross, and it is about this love that is so amazing. And do you know that the people that have died, which are in my book, such as Dean Braxton, which you can watch on YouTube, Braxton, B-R-A-X-T-O-N, Dean Braxton is one example, Dale Black and others. They say that when they stood before God in heaven and they came back to their bodies and they were highly verified as dead, Dean Braxton for almost two hours. By doctors, highly verified, by medical equipment, highly verified as dead. When he stood before Jesus Christ, he said the love was so beyond this physical dimension, there's no comparison to describe it. It was so intense towards him that it felt like he was the only one that God loved and that he was the apple of God's eye. It felt to him like if he was the only one God created, that God would have died just for him alone and suffered, humbled himself more than him on the cross, suffered more than him on the cross so that he could be reconciled to God and be in a love union, a fellowship with God. And yet he knew that God loved all the others there just as intensely as him, but that's what it felt like. So this is the message about the one true eternal God. And yes, for God to be the one true eternal God, he is in three personages, but he's one God. Because he must rule in the three ultimate aspects of existence. Which are what? Beyond creations, separate and above and beyond creation, is the first aspect of existence. He rules in personages the Almighty Father. In the creation realm, he is expressed. The word son means expression. The word word means expression. Jesus Christ is the word of the Almighty or the expression of the Almighty, the one and only expression of the creator into the creation realm. So the third aspect of existence is in the creation realm. As the son, he communicates and experiences the creation realm. And the third aspect of existence is omnipresence. He 
fills all dimensions of existence and time, and there are many dimensions of existence way more real than the physical, and of time, many aspects and intersections of different planes of time. No limit to that. That is all filled in omnipresence by the creative Holy Spirit of God and that third dimension that will raise the dead in his appointed time. The question is whether you are choosing to believe who the one true eternal God could only possibly be. And what I have described is who the only one true eternal God could possibly be. None other would be the one true eternal God. So we cannot blame God. God is good. And what he's created is good. But when you create beings with a capacity to love, there is the potential for them to rebel against God. And so there is this process that is going on of now the wheat coming to maturity and we see now the manifestation of terrible evil in the world, the sons of darkness and the sons of the light, those that are embracing hate and death and are believing in a counterfeit God that is actually the devil in disguise, and those that are believing in the one true eternal God who is so pure in his love that he will not tolerate sin, but is so great in his love that he provides a way of forgiveness for all to be reconciled to him that choose to repent. So this message is for all of those that are hungry and thirsty and have not bought into the lies and the delusions that will, if they continue to hold on to, lead them to eternal torment that is beyond any physical torment that you can experience in this very inferior dimension. And it goes on forever. This is not where your real life begins. It begins when you transition out of your physical body. The question is, have you come to be reconciled with God through Jesus Christ? It is only through Christ that you can be saved, only through God's mercy that you can be saved, which is revealed in its fullness in Jesus Christ. And yes, if someone has never heard of Jesus Christ, and they are still open to truth, God will always give those an opportunity sometime, if, if in this physical dimension or another, to either receive or reject Jesus Christ. But all will have the opportunity to either choose to receive him and repent or to reject him. And if you start making choices against what you've heard that is the truth, which I am describing, then you are hardening your heart so that there's less and less that you will, if you continue to resist, you will come to a place where you will seal your destiny in rebellion against God in a place of eternal torment that has no end. Well, I know this message is also for those that have come to know the one true eternal God, for whom to know is life eternal. And so I want to share with you that have come to know him, how I share these messages. I do not prepare my messages because I want to allow the Spirit of God to speak through me. This good news, which is joy unspeakable and full of glory. So this good news, I share by seeking to do what the Word of God commands in 1 Peter 4.11. It says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. And those that have come to receive Christ are to come together and gather in assemblies of worship to worship Jesus Christ, to worship the one true eternal God, which if you describe it in the Old Testament, often in the Old Testament in English, it's the word Lord God. In the Hebrew, the word Lord is usually Yahweh, which means the ultimate reality, separate above and beyond creation, the I am that I am. And the word Elohim literally means the Almighty's plural, 
referring to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yahweh the Almighty's, the one true eternal God. We are gathered around to worship through Jesus Christ, in whom the Almighty dwells in fullness. And it says, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. We are to seek to allow God to speak through us when we gather together in worship, especially then. <clears throat> and it also says in Revelations 19.10, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we worship God in spirit and in truth, in great reverence and humility and love for God, we are filled with the spirit in an overflow beyond ourselves that results in creative utterances so that we are speaking as the oracles of God are speaking prophetically. We are to cultivate these gifts and to learn to speak to one another prophetically or as the oracles of God, not in the sense of telling the future as much as in the sense of allowing the Spirit of God to speak beyond ourselves through us. And so I will seek to do that out of a heart set and mindset of worship and so to do that, I do also facilitate the casting of lots to receive a particular worship song, which we will play in a moment. Out of 140, I don't know how much it is I have right now. I think I have about 148 songs right now on there. I will be increasing it over time with some other really wonderful songs. And so I did cast a lot before God to receive a good song today to worship with, which has got a lot of, um, it's quite a majestic song to, about facing the battle, the spiritual battle we have. And I also cast lots to get with two random applications on the internet before God any two chapters that they would bear witness with each other as to the theme, as to the message. And then I meditate on them. And so I did meditate about a half an hour on what I got this week through almost every day of doing that, casting a lot to get two chapters and meditating for a half an hour. So I will just summarize some of the things I received this week in the message of what God is saying, because I seek to f discover what God is saying to those that are gathered around Jesus Christ in assembly across Canada and across the United States especially, but also to all the churches around the world. And so we will then share, without preparation, what God would be saying by his Spirit. So first of all, I want to um, play this song I received, and I will minimize myself shortly after I begin to play this song that I've received here. Here it is here. It's quite a... Well, I like this song a lot, but it's very militant, and I, I think we need to be encouraged that way. So we're going to start it, and I will minimize myself in a moment here. Oh, 
strong, courageous to endure. Tis here that I against the powers of darkness. So I will minimize this now and also bring myself up to normal size. There we go. So the message today that I receive, <clears throat> I will share what I received this week by the casting of Lot before God. So back on Monday, today is Saturday, uh, November the 11th. Back on Monday, I received John 18 and 2 John 1 by the casting of Lot before God. And it says here that those that are of the truth, which is the reality of who God is, will hear the voice of God. Both of these chapters have a strong emphasis on truth and what the truth is. And indeed, in a time when there is so much confusion and delusion. It reminds me of what Pilate said to Christ. When Christ said, whoever is of the truth hears my voice, Pilate said, what is the truth? In fact, it's right in the verse here. I didn't even recognize that that was the case. And so we will read these two um, chapters that I received, which was John 18 and 2 John 1. So in John 18, Jesus answers Pilate and says, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight, that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this and was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews, and saith unto them, I find in him no fault. What is truth? Whoever is of the truth hears my voice. Well, most of us have an understanding of what truth is, basically. We know when something is true and when something isn't. For example, if there's a part in a machinery like an airplane that has a crack in it, that could cause the whole plane to crash. That part is no longer true. Or if it's not straight, if it got crooked somehow, it's no longer true. Or if it can't contain liquid because there's a crack in it, it is no longer whole, it is no longer true. It can result in the total destruction of that plane. So we know that truth is a quality that can contain and channel onto greater and greater constructive purpose that has fulfillment in it that is filled with pleasure and without 
the opposite of that which is suffering and destruction. Truth can be likened unto a glass that has no cracks in it that is a diamond glass and is able to contain water. The glass represents the truth. It, the water represents the unlimited life and power and authority that can only be in a quality that can contain it, which is truth. Various dictionaries, if you look up the word truth, define it as reality. And if you look up the various definitions of reality, it's that which is indestructible, immovable, absolute, unchangeable which is what I described as the first aspect of the being of God, which is the name Yahweh, which means the ultimate reality, the very source and foundation of all creation, a quality that is only found in this ultimate perfection of love that I have described, that acknowledges God, that he is the only one that is worthy of unlimited power and life and authority because he only could be ultimately trustworthy because he has that ultimate quality that is trustworthy alone, which is a righteousness that is based on this and that issues out of this love that I described that will not tolerate corruption yet is so great that he could take judgment upon himself the aspect that God's perfection of love is so ultimate that he could take judgment upon himself is that aspect that ensures that there is creation that can go on forever and ever in the experience of love and the very experience of God himself. It's just part of the being of God that he has these two aspects. It was always so in the infinite past. It says in the word of God that Jesus Christ it was a reality that Jesus Christ was slain on the cross and rose from the dead before the world was created. In the infinite past, it was always the quality of God's being. And of course, this is beyond the time realm. It's beyond time. It's beyond the infinite. This message that I'm telling you is a message that has existed in reality as if it already had happened in the being of God in the infinite past and exists now and is preached now as I am preaching it and will exist for eternity in the future. And it is around which all things consist and exist and where their delight is, is in the communion with God, the very ultimate perfection of this love. Therein we find our ultimate pleasure those that experience the pleasure of fellowship with God and with their brothers and sisters and the angels and myriads of creations say that that pleasure is far greater than any physical pleasure you can experience in this world. It is the ultimate, this love. And it is so pure. God's destiny is that you should be conformed to the highest quality of being possible, which is to be conformed to the being of God's love. But when you make choices in rebellion against God and you reject this good message, news of the gospel, you are being conformed to a quality that goes in the opposite direction. It is anti-life. It is anti-existence. It is worse than nothingness because you experience eternal torment, which is worse than being nothing. How could you reject the love of God? I don't think anyone would want to reject it. But the reason we do is because the enemy puts in front of us some temporal bait, sexual pleasure, immorality, whatever it is, that he can manipulate you with and control you with through the powers of evil and evil people that are controlled by demonic powers and so on. The whole world system is based on that and is controlled by that. That's why it's falling apart, because it is not based upon truth. 
It says in the word of God in the last days that he will shake all things that are shakable, that only that which is unshakable shall remain, and only that which will remain will be those that know God and are part of the kingdom of God at the end of all things. All the false belief systems are going to be destroyed. God has his plan and purpose. He allows people to make their own free choices that they might eventually come to their senses and repent by seeing the consequences of their corruption and their false belief systems. Will they hold on to them out of rebellion against God or will they repent and humble themselves and be brought forth anew by the Spirit of God? So it says in this chapter here that everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. He came into the world to bear witness unto the truth, which is who he is and who God is, because he is God manifest in the flesh fully the quality of the being of God, the perfection of the being of his love manifest into this creation realm. To hear God's voice is to be open to who God in reality can only possibly be. Cain fell prey to a wrong idolatrous perception, idolatrous monotheistic perception of God. Because he got his focus on all the terrible consequences of suffering around him, so that there was a measure of unthankfulness and doubt in his heart. Like the serpent whispered to Eve, hath God said? I mean, oh, maybe God... I guess, God, you're just all-powerful. Yeah, you're an all-powerful being. and Yeah, I do need to uh, do something to appease you. That's what you want. So he had a wrong... He didn't see that the holiness of God, which is the integrity of God's love that will not tolerate what is contrary to love. He didn't see that that was good. He got his focus on all the suffering, all the negative consequences of wrong choice, the suffering in his own life the curse that was in the creation around because of sin. And so there's this idolatrous perception of God that developed. So that he could not perceive God aright and therefore he did not bring a right sacrifice. He was bringing performance, mere performance and appeasement, thinking that that's what God wanted because his perception was that he was just an all-powerful dictator that demanded submission that he didn't, that is, he, he lost sight of the goodness of God's severity on corruption, on our rebellion. There was goodness. It meant that we could also know his forgiveness. We cannot know the mercy of God if we don't first recognize and receive the severity of his judgment against corruption in our life as good and that see that we are unworthy and acknowledge it in our own righteousness, that we fall short. The Bible says it's like filthy rags. We cry out for mercy, and you cannot cry out for mercy if you don't receive and acknowledge that God's severity on corruption is good and that you need his mercy, because you won't know Acknowledge that you need his mercy. And if you don't acknowledge that you need his mercy, that means you do have a wrong or haven't come to a right perception of God yet. Most likely, in most cases, are holding on to a wrong idolatric perception of God. So the hearing of God is the receiving of who God is in our inner being, which is what the genuine fear of God is. It is perceiving rightly the goodness of God's integrity of love or the holiness of his love. Receiving it rightly, and that means 
that we will acknowledge our need of his mercy and of forgiveness and of cleansing from our sin and realize that our righteousness cannot save us. That we cannot trust in ourselves to save ourselves, but only in the Creator. Second John 1, 1 to 4 says this, that's the other one I received. It says, the elder unto the elect lady and her children, whom I love in the truth, and not I only, but also all they that have known the truth, for the truth's sake, which dwelleth in us. Who dwells in us? When we've received Christ, God dwells in us. The Almighty's, the Spirit of God, Jesus Christ, the Father, all dwell within us by his Spirit. And shall be with us forever. The truth will be with us forever. God, who is the truth, will be with us forever. Grace be with you. Mercy and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. Truth representing the holiness of God and love representing the mercy of God and his grace as well. I rejoice greatly that I found of thy children walking in truth as we have received a commandment from the Father to walk in the truth which is to reciprocate rightly who God is in his being of holiness, which is the integrity of his love first and then in the mercy and grace of his love, to walk in that, so that we love one another and display the same love towards one another. And that's what God was saying on Monday. By his spirit, highly conformed, that was by the casting of lot. Those were the two chapters I received. Pretty amazing how you get two chapters with the same theme like that. Now, I can't preach much longer because time is going on here. I can't cover everything. The next day I received Jeremiah 14 and 1 Peter 5. Both of these chapters are about confessing our sins, humbling ourselves, and waiting on God for his time and deliverance. And I went into the meaning of the word waiting on God, and I will go into that. And I have pointed out the two key verses here. And so in Jeremiah 14, 20 to 22, we read, We acknowledge, O Lord, our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers, for we have sinned against thee, do not abhor us for thy name's sake. Do not disgrace the throne of thy glory. Remember, break not thy covenant with us. Are there any among the vanities of the Gentiles that can cause rain? Or can the heavens give showers? Art not thou he, O Yahweh, our Almighty's? Therefore we will wait upon thee, for thou hast made all these things. So they're crying out for God to have mercy upon them. They're obviously experiencing a terrible drought. And they're crying out for the mercy of God. And the secret was to wait on him. And then we read in 1 Peter 5, I'll just read the key verse, it's in green. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This word wait has the understanding, as shown here in the original, I'm going back to the Hebrew symbolic letters that go back to 1500 BC all the way up to 2000 BC. And the first letter is a, with the circle and the line through it is representing a sunset, which in the meaning of that word means that which is cyclical and that is repeated over and over as the sun sets over and over and over. And the second letter 
which uh, I may not be pronouncing exactly. Well, I have it up here, actually. So that first letter is Ka, and then the last letter is representing a man that stands with his hands up in the air like he's rejoicing or jumping or praising. It represents really a kind of a, a fulfillment. And um, the meaning has an understanding in the original of collection of water, like a pool collecting water or hands open gradually collecting the rain. It also has an understanding of, in this particular word, of a cord being twined, gradually twined together, so that there's then tremendous strength. Waiting on God is learning to be still. In prayer, you don't have to say anything. It's just wonderful sometimes in prayer just to be in of God and be still. God doesn't expect you to be talking to him all the time. He wants you to learn to wait on him, to be still and know that he is God as the word of God says. Be still and know that I am God. We need to learn to wait on God and be in awe of God. Do you know that psychologists and those that study the brain have discovered that half of the brain was is created to be in awe, to comprehend and absorb awe. God created a great aspect. Half of our brain is created to worship God with awe. And that is involved in waiting on God. Then there's this twining like a cord where there's a strong identity or a strong distilling of the being of God into us and a strengthening in our inner being comes through waiting on God. It is waiting on God that causes that. I'm going to be turning off something that's going to make a racket here. So if you don't mind for a moment, I'm going to wipe this out so it quits making this noise at me. And I have to turn more than one of these crazy things off. It's just a reminder, and I'm speaking a very late message. So um, and I know there's another one that's going to come up any moment now too. So I'll get that one as well. But this is the understanding of waiting on God. And God is calling his people in this hour to learn when we gather together to be in awe of who he is. He's wanting to restore the genuine fear of God in the body of Christ. In fact, in the last days, it describes a chronological order of events in Revelations chapter 14 with three angels. The first angel comes out preaching the everlasting gospel, <clears throat> which I just mentioned in my message here, about it being a reality in the infinite past, this good news, being a reality now, and being a reality in the infinite future, this being of who God is, the reality of his crucifixion, of his resurrection, of having being uh, more than just a capacity in God, a reality that has always been in God. Yes, this is just one little dimension of many planes of existence and of time. I won't get sidetracked talking about that. So God is calling us in this hour to hear the everlasting gospel, which in that first angel says, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. And that's the message that is going out now. And worship him that made heaven and earth. He's calling us to worship him as never before in spirit and in truth out of the genuine fear of God. And there's such a lack of reverence and of the fear of God in many churches. And very shallow music where you like to pump it up a lot, but you don't know an element of reverence in those worship songs. But God is going to be bringing that back far more. And creativity because many of the songs are shallow with words, shallow even with the tunes. And God is going to bring back far more in these last days than there ever has been in the past. You'll notice a lot of the songs on my site have great meaning and depth. There's 148 of them up there right now. There'll be a lot more in the future. 
I cannot continue to go on because it's pretty darn late. And um, yet I will touch quickly on some other things. Uh, November the 8th, I received Revelations 21 and Acts 10. Plus, I needed more because I couldn't really perceive too much out of Acts 10. But when I did it the third time, boy, those two really fit together. Um, so Revelations, maybe I was a little quick on Acts 10, not having the reverence there should have been in the casting of the lot, I don't know. But Revelations 21 describes the completed work of the kingdom of God in the new earth and the new heaven. And Acts 10 is showing one of the many steps in the progress towards that. That's all I could see in Acts 10. But boy, has it ever seen to have the same theme in 1 John 3, 1 to 3, when I cast the lot. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. And of course, Revelations 21 is describing the new heaven and the new earth. Both of these chapters are describing the time of the end, when we will be raised from the dead if we've died physically in our bodies. Even though we are immediately with the Lord, we will have that other dimension that we can experience in the physical realm as well, which was used to conform us to the image of God through being in the physical realm in the first place. Anyhow, we go on. And I think I should mention this one because this one had a wonderful theme in it on joy. Both of these chapters, Philippians 1 and 9, Psalms 97 are on the joy of faith or the joy that comes out of moral persuasion in who God in reality is. When we see that God is love and that his love is so pure and integrous and that his mercy is so great towards us and we have moral persuasion in that, we are filled with the joy out of that moral persuasion. You see, the word faith in the original Greek is pistis, meaning moral persuasion in who God is. That's what it means to believe in God. Which first, so I just mentioned a few things here on this, and maybe I'll read the it says in Psalm 97, The Lord reigneth, let the earth rejoice, let the multitude of the isles be glad thereof. It continues with talking about joy. Zion heard and was glad, and the daughters of Judah rejoiced because of thy judgments. O Lord, for thou, Lord, art high above all the earth, thou art exalted far above all gods. Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivered them out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, ye righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. I would love to preach on this, but there's just no time to touch on all of these things. <clears throat> and then in Philippians 1, 25, it says, In having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. Anyhow, and it's also in Philippians 1.18 and 1.4, it talks about joy. Yea. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, I therein do rejoice, and yea, will rejoice. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy. So I'd better leave it because the time has gone on. And as much as I would like to continue, while this is Friday, <clears throat> what I received on Friday was Numbers 9 and Micah 5. In Numbers 9, we see the absolute importance for salvation by partaking of the Passover lamb for cleansing and forgiveness of sin and also the leading of Israel 
by the abiding manifest presence of God over the tent of testimony. In Micah 5, Jesus Christ, the real Lamb of God, is described in being smitten by a rod which came to pass just before his atoning crucifixion on the cross. There is also the prophecy of Christ's rule and reign upon the earth with the remnant of other tribes of Israel. In the last days, God will lead his remnant to rule with the rod of iron over the whole earth. In Numbers 9, God led the children by his presence and a pillar of fire over the tent of the testimony which contained the mercy seat which speaks of the Passover lamb. Too much to share. Each of these passages can be a long message. So I will leave it there, brothers and sisters. Thank you for your prayer support, and I ask that you also consider purchasing my two books, the one on the afterlife, incredibly irrefutable, and the other one, God, Headship, and Body Invasion, which is on what you can do to bring your church into the new order under the fullness of the Headship of Christ for the last days. Both of these books you can get on Amazon. Uh, thank you for listening to this message. Mm-hmm. <clears throat>